0: take god's precious word and turn the book of titus chapter one please i'm sorry chapter two please verse one titus chapter two verse one while you're turning there we had a weekly of two hundred and six uh... gospel contacts passing out tracts or sharing the gospel and that brings our yearly total up to four thousand nine hundred and five keep uh... Keep Brother uh, Candela in your prayers in uh, Zambia. God willing, we'll be getting a bid on printing up some gospel uh, booklets for him to disseminate there in that country this week. I'll let you know as soon as I hear something. Titus chapter 2. The title of the message is, It's Aged Men in the Last Age. You all know I don't teach topically. It just so happens that As we're going through the book of Titus verse by verse, we came upon uh, uh, an admonition to men on Father's Day. So how convenient that is for us. Aged men in the last age, the past several weeks, Paul has been telling Titus about the dangers of false teachers who teach unsound doctrine. And now this morning, in contrast to those false teachers, Paul is now going to be telling Titus what the aged men should be like in the church. And I want to tell you, right now, when you look at our nation, you look you look at the, how everything's beginning to fall apart. I used to say all the time that our nation was like a car teetering on the edge of a cliff, morally speaking. But I, I told Tammy this week, I said, you know, I, I think the car slid off. I think it slid off. And I'm, I'm, I sure hate to say that, but I believe it has. And you look at what our men are becoming in this nation. You can lose a lot in a nation, but when you lose the men of the nation... Uh, when you lose men in a society when they quit standing up to be the godly men they're supposed to be. You've lost it. You've lost it. Paul said, Titus, this is what the unsound teachers do. This is what you have to avoid. This is how you need to make sure and get godly men in the pulpit. He said, unsound teachers Are a danger now. Look, if you would, in verse one. But thou, I'm sorry, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Paul says, Titus, these false teachers are neither teaching nor living according to God's word. By operating in the name of Christ, they're giving Christians a bad name. And while we expect that out of these hypocrites, man, I'm sorry, I can't help but but think this morning. I guess because uh, I show uh, biblical interest when I'm on Facebook, I'm targeted for these religious advertisements. And this morning I had the pleasure of getting on Facebook to catch up and having an advertisement for a Methodist seminary. And on there there were these men and women, all hugging each other, arms around themselves. Some of them had their pastoral stoles on. And one was this little fat woman with a beautiful pastoral stole with a rainbow on each end of it. And I thought, how wicked. How the, the, what the Bible says would come true in the last days. That there would be a great departure from the faith That they'd have a form of godliness, but they'd be denying the power thereof. My mother loves her music. She loves it. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. That's where we've come to in our nation today. It's very sad. And so we expect that out of the hypocrites, don't we? But we, the true men of God, Paul says... We have to make sure that we live up to what we're preaching. And we have to make sure that we're only preaching what God tells us to in the Bible. So a false teacher may condone unrighteous living, but we must speak things, Paul says, that become sound doctrine. Now he's not saying that we speak things that will eventually become sound doctrine. But Paul is literally saying in the Greek... That we have to speak things that are becoming to sound doctrine. For something to be becoming means it's appropriate to your position in life. And in our case, our position in Jesus Christ. Last week, Sister Leslie was eating at a restaurant in Fairfield, just off Interstate 45. I've been to that restaurant a few times myself. And while she was there... She happened to see Miss Texas there. Any of y'all see her Facebook post on that? No? No, y'all are missing out. Miss Texas was there. She had that banner across her. She was in her beautiful gown and had that little tear or whatever it is on her head and everything. And she was sitting at her table getting ready to eat. And when Miss Texas saw Leslie, she asked her if she could have her picture, Leslie's picture. No, I'm just kidding with you. Actually, it was the other way around. When Leslie saw Miss Texas, she was excited about seeing her. She wanted to get her picture, so she did. But after getting her picture, suppose the waitress were to bring out a big platter of chicken wings for Miss Texas to eat. And let's say that when she starts eating, she's stuffing herself and she's getting chicken wing sauce all over her face all over her face. Instead of using a napkin, she just gently and elegantly and femininely takes her evening gown and just wipes it across her mouth like that and just keeps on eating, you know. And she's making all kinds of awful noises while she's eating. And and in that case, Miss Tex's eating habits would not be becoming to her Role as a representative of our great state. That's what Paul's saying here. Paul's telling us that we need to teach Christians to behave according to their position as men and women of God. And by this we learn that God expects all of us in the church to develop Christian character, especially our men. To develop Christian character and to live our lives in a manner that's appropriate to the holy position that we hold in Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's so sad that Christians all too often, they look at the world as a, as a model for their life, for how they dress, for their conduct, and to gain approvals Uh, approval for the decisions that they make. It's very sad, but that's what Christians uh, do these days. And Paul is going to begin his lecture on, on Christian character by addressing the senior men in the church. That is, the older men in the church. And I'm not talking about elderly men. But Paul's talking about older in the sense of maturity. Christian character. And uh, time as a child of God. Verse 2. Paul said that the aged men be sober. Physically speaking. Being sober means to not have your mind in the influence of drugs and alcohol. Which causes people to escape reality. They are unable to think clearly and see things the way they really are. I remember as a highway patrolman, when I was a highway patrolman, uh, I was all the time cleaning up messes that were made by intoxicated people who thought that they could pull out and had enough time to beat that train, who thought that they could take that curve at the speed they were going. But they, their, their mind was intoxicated. They weren't sober and able to see things the way they really were. And the decisions they made and their lack of sobriety... Brought dangerous times their way. When a person's intoxicated, they don't perceive the dangers that lie ahead. That's why they make terrible decisions that end in tragedy. Intoxicated people have killed, they've spoken harsh and rash words to people they later regret, they've engaged in foolish, sexual acts, and committed all types of crimes, all of which they would have never done had they been sober, had they been thinking clearly and seeing life and the circumstances of their actions as they actually were. But Paul's command to the aged men to be sober not only includes physical sobriety, it goes much further than that. It also includes, most importantly, sobriety of our our spirit, our minds. As alcohol intoxicates the brain, sin and foolishness intoxicates the mind and spirit of believers. Causing us to not see life as it actually is. It causes us to not see the dangers of the decisions we make in the house of God. The decisions we make for our families and in our, our society and how we vote in the voting booth. and The aged men are the leaders of our churches. They, that's what they're supposed to be. They're the ones who have the experience both in life as well as their, their, their walk with Christ and their knowledge of the Scriptures. The aged men are the older men in comparison to the youth who still have a lot of growing up to do. A lot of immature and fantastic ideas about life until they grow up and settle down a bit. And we've all been there, right? We've all been there. The Greek word translated sober here literally means to be circumspect. You know what circumspect means? Like if you're a soldier and you got your gun, circum means like in a circle, a circumference. Inspect spectacles with the eyes. It's like you're being a soldier and you're looking all around you like this. Don't want anyone to get your back. Don't want anyone to flank you. Don't want to meet someone head on. But you're circumspect, looking all around. That's what the word sober means. Aged men need to be sober. Watching out for the spiritual dangers. Because our enemy, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I watched a... Uh, one of those uh, uh, documentaries on nature a while back, and I remember seeing this hungry polar bear, kind of like a lion in a way. It's a lion of the North Pole, that's for sure, of Alaska. But There was this hungry polar bear, and he was trying to get him a uh, baby walrus, a young, tender walrus that he could eat. The big ones are too big and too tough. And so as he was going to this herd of walruses, those aged male walruses did what we're supposed to do in a society of aged men. They pushed those pups on the inside of a circle, and they formed a circle of big old husky walruses, those big old tusks coming down. and That polar bear tried to nab him a baby walrus anyway, and one of those polar bears... (laughs) come down with his tusk on that polar bear and killed it. It was amazing to watch them. And uh, that's the way we need to be as older men, being sober in the church. It means that that older men should be mature Christians who, who take the Word of God seriously and can see the dangers that lie ahead of us as opposed to the less mature believers or the less sober believers who... Are like a bunch of children. Always playing around. Always fun and games in church. You know that's the way a lot of our churches have become. Just a bunch of fun and games and excitement and dazzling and brilliance and laser light shows. And whatever it is. Just something to dazzle the eyes. Something sparkly. Paul isn't saying that older people can't laugh and have a good time. I'm incredibly funny. And everyone here knows that. See, I just, yeah, there we go. Old people should have a good time, but we have to enjoy life within the boundaries of God's word and always on the lookout for our enemies. I believe many older people in our churches have failed our churches by failing to see the dangers that lie ahead in the decisions they make. Trying to entertain the young people. They end up endangering them. Trying to appease those who are less mature in Christ. They've compromised the word of God. Trying to become relevant to the world. They end up being corrupted by the world. This was all because they failed to be sober. They watched the pups play. But they failed to keep their eyes open for the polar bears. Older people, you might as well face it. Young people are going to think you're too cautious. They're going to. I, when I had young girls at home, and I'd say, well, now, you don't want to go jogging by yourself, you know. You end up uh, making the news, you know. We'll be saying, please bring my daughter back home. Dad, Dad, I'll be okay, you know. They're they're always going to think you're too cautious. They're always going to think you're too conservative. They're always going to think men of God are too tight-fisted or too rigid in how we follow the Scriptures. They'll continue to think that until they see someone get bit by a polar bear. They'll continue to think that until they get bit themselves. And once you've seen how quickly sin can spread and destroy people and I have and once you've seen how quickly sin can spread and destroy people you learn to hate sin you learn to fear the enemy the devil you learn to take God seriously you become sober or at least you should some people never do They never do. They never grow up spiritually like they should. But Paul is telling us, aged men, he's saying that we should uh, 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 be sober because somebody has to be responsible. Somebody has to be the adult and see the danger coming. The kids certainly don't. Older people should not only be sober, but Paul says they should be grave. Grave. And the two go hand in hand. You know what grave is? The word grave, and, and we're not talking about a grave that you, that's a noun. We're talking about an adjective here, a description. The word grave means venerable. And venerable means someone who commands respect because of their age, their dignity, their character, their position. Venerable. Respectful. When we were kids, We would say, when I grow up, I want to be this or that. Why? Because we held that in high esteem. And what Paul is doing here is telling us what every Christian should want to be when they grow up. We should first be sober. And we should be venerable. Grave. Someone respected. The two go hand in hand. I watch our nation right now. I watch our churches and our society And they're they're playing. We've lost our gravity as men. We've lost our 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 sobriety as as a nation and 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 people are just running and playing and 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 their morality is sinking lower and lower and lower. And all the while the mature, the adults in the room, the Christians are looking and saying, Man, we're gonna be taken over. We're going to be destroyed. We're going to have food shortages. We're going to fall apart. If we don't get a hold of ourselves, our currency will be worth nothing. All of that, the sober men can look and say, Aha, I see the judgment of the hand of God on our people. And unless we repent and turn around, you can expect to watch the nation continue to fall. On Father's Day today, we don't need, I don't need to preach to you about fathers being fun. I don't need to preach to you about dads having a good time, having a blast Taking selfies, going off, doing things together. Man, wake up. We need some men. You watch the men today. We're watching men become more and more effeminate. Men dressing like women. Men being pansies. Or men thinking that testosterone and sexual activity is the hallmark of being a man. No, sobriety and gravity go hand in hand. Gravity, a real man, is a man you can look up to and respect for him standing on the Word of God. A real man is someone who will not compromise his character, his integrity, or his stand on what he believes just because society changes with the times. It's a real man. I'm watching our politicians right now. They're really crafty, really crafty. I guess they do like that and they take these polls and they know how to get in here and they'll say, well, I'm all for your Second Amendment rights. You know what the Bible says? And y'all know I carry a gun. And someone come in this church shooting at y'all, I plan on shooting back at them. All right? But let me tell you about Second Amendment rights and guns and all that stuff. And I'm all for politicians who want those things. But the Bible says the horse is prepared against the day of battle. But safety is of the Lord. You can, you can arm yourself to the teeth. But remember, God's enemies, when they come up against Israel, they had chariots of iron. But if Israel stood true on God's word, they always won the battle. But if you're not standing true on God's word, it doesn't matter if you have chariots of iron, if you have machine guns, it doesn't matter what kind of fleet you have in your navy, you're going down. When you depart from God's Word and you you have a nation that, that becomes a people with a reprobate mind, and that's what we're becoming. It's really, really sad. We need gravity, we need men who are venerable, and the only way to be venerable is to hold to the Word of God, which separates us from beasts. Paul is telling us we need to be grown up in the faith. We need to put away the foolish things of this world and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have sober minds as Christians seeing the things of this world as the transitory lusts that they are. Setting our affection on things above and preparing to stand before our Maker when we leave this earth. Men, we need to be people who are watching out for the dangers of our spiritual enemies. And warning the foolish and naive who fail to see the danger coming. Not only that, but Paul said, We also, aged men, need to be, look back in your text, temperate. Temperate. You know what temperate means? It means to be sound in the mind. It means to have self-control in here, in here. When tragedy strikes... When hard times come, and, and if things don't turn around, I think things are going to be harder for us. We definitely know the closer we get to the end, the harder it's going to be for the children of God. The more persecution the church is going to face. It's coming. It's coming. The more they celebrate sin, and the more we condemn it, <laughs> well, just do the math. We're the bad guys, okay? Okay. And so we need men who are not only sober and who are uh, grave, but we need men who are temperate. When tragedy strikes, when bad news comes our way, when we face persecution in the church or whatever happens, we, 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 uh, some people always panic and lose their heads. Right? Y'all may be the people who panic and lose your heads. I don't know. But there will always be some people who panic and lose their heads. And there will always be those rocks. You know someone who's a rock in your family? Someone who's a rock that no matter what happens, it it may hurt them, they they may hurt just like you, but they stand strong and they don't get blown off course because they're a rock. That's what Paul is saying the aged men of God need to be. Age men of God, he says, th- those rocks, he said, they won't, the, 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 they, they're not going to, to get blown away. The people who are not temperate, you know what happens when the hard times come? They'll fret. They're fretters. They'll complain. They'll blame others for the problems they're having and they're experiencing, and they'll begin to break down emotionally. And at times like that, there needs to be someone who's temperate. Someone who's sound in the mind. Someone who can remain in control of their thoughts and emotions and remember and apply the Scriptures. Trust God and continue moving the direction the Word of God leads them in. That's what the men need to be. I watch some of these goofy looking men on television commercials and stuff. They're goofy. Some of the men that, that are popular in society right now, you look at them and you think, now there's a guy I would never take advice from. You know? Paul says that's, what, that's not what you need to be. You don't need to pattern yourself after men like that. Pattern yourself after men like Moses. Pattern yourself after men like Joshua. Pattern yourself after men like Jesus, like Paul, like the men who got beaten for preaching the gospel and then rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Being temperate means you're you're not going to let life's circumstances determine your emotional and spiritual well-being. When something disturbing happens, Perhaps someone says something that's highly offensive to you. Perhaps you don't like something that's happening at home or at work or in the church. Or or perhaps you get a, a, a really bad diagnosis or you hear bad news that a loved one just passed away. Whatever it is, when that disturbing thing happens, people who are not temperate will lose their cool. They'll lash out in anger and emotion. A lot of them will blame God. They'll make hasty decisions. That's not what we need to do. Several years back, we had a a man here. Some of you all remember. He was a healthy man. He visited the gym all the time. Always exercising, working out. And he always took the best parking place right out here at the front door. And at that time, we had so many people coming to church here that There wasn't enough room in the parking lot for some people to park and we we had an elderly person once or twice that would come to park and there'd be no room out there. We had overflow parking out here, but there's no room out there and they didn't have any place to park where they could physically be able to walk and get inside the church in their condition. And I remember one day watching the parking lot filled up and a lot of us men were parking off over there and Y'all remember that? And I walked up to him and I said, "Brother, would you mind?" And I explained him the problem that we were having. I said, "Would you mind parking over here so when when the elderly people come up, they can have a place close to the door?" And his pride was so offended; he got so angry. He came and he sat down in Sunday school as Brother Shepherd was teaching, and he stewed on that for a while about him losing his parking space. He got so mad he got up and walked out in the middle of Sunday school. And never came back. He's called me since then a couple of times. To ask Bible questions. The church he's at can't answer for him. He said I knew you could answer brother Richard. I said well brother won't you come back. I just can't do it. I can't do it. That's not temperate. That's letting your prideful flesh. Determine your emotional well being. Listen up aged men. Listen up older people. But especially aged men. There are young people out there who need temperate Christians they can look up to and pattern themselves after. I remember when my little brother passed away last year. Me and my wife and mom and dad, we drove over to the hospital to see him, uh, see his, uh, his body, and meet with the family. And as we left, and you know how it is in times like that, you're numb, you're hurting. And uh, as we left, I remember my mama saying, oh, daddy, what are we going to do? And my dad, hurting just as bad as anybody else, said, mama, we can't handle this on our own. We have to put it in God's hands. You know what that does? Even to me in my 50's. You know what it does to a younger person? To watch dad. To watch an older person. Go through something that there's no pain really any greater than losing a child. And watching that person. Stand on God's word and say yeah I hurt. But. The judge of all the earth does right. I hurt, but I trust in God. I hurt, but I will continue to stand in the faith like Job. And be able to say, though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. That emboldens young people. It allows the younger people to look up and then when their trouble comes they've got that experience to fall back on how they saw you behave when your faith was tested. We need to be the type of Christians who don't let our circumstances determine our well-being. I'll give you a little kingdom truth. Whatever comes our way we must stay in control of our mind by staying our mind on the one who's in control. Whatever comes our way, we must stay in control by staying our mind on the one who's in control. Paul saying, quit being the person who's always falling apart. The, getting angry and fretting over the least little thing. When turbulent times come our way, we need to be able to stand on God's Word on our own two feet, men. For if God's not wringing His hands in despair, why should we? Some people's bad times come in different ways. They, they, they come through what they experience emotionally. Their, their emotions a lot of times are driven by medical issues. And men go through this too, not as much as women but men go through this too, hormone imbalances or whatever, causing them to have this never-ending cycle of emotional up and downs. I've counseled men like that before. There's nothing wrong with their thinking or their intellect, but it's a medical issue. But, but no matter what brings the turbulence into our lives, the key to remaining temperate is staying our mind on God's unchanging Word. You go up, you go down, God's Word never changes. Young people need to be able to see older people. Stand strong on the promises of God's Word. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus told a parable about a man who built his house on the sand. But especially one who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, Jesus said, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. A lot of times we overlook that part. But they beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon the rock. And in that parable we understand. That we should expect the wind. We should expect the rain. To beat on our house. We should expect the tough times. To rattle our cages. To slam up against us. I was woken up from a, a very wonderful nap. Friday afternoon. A well deserved nap I might say too. By the sound of a loud. A loud clapping thunder now we didn't get any rain but it sounded like a storm brother Doug but knowing when I woke up I knew I was in the house I knew I was safe from the storm outside and knowing I was safe from the storm outside because I was in the house you know what I did I didn't go run and hide from the lightning I just laid there and I thanked God for the storm you know I lay there and I thank God for the storm. And each, each time that, that this happens, that, 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 that the storms in life come your way, you have to remember that you're in the house. You're in the shelter of the cross of Jesus Christ. And remembering that you're in Jesus, you can lay there and thank God for the storm. Because the storm strengthens and it emboldens Young believers, when they see older Christians not falling apart when tragedy comes, but trusting God to carry them through no matter what comes their way. God help us men to be this type of Christians that our young people can look up to and draw on our example when their time comes to go through the fire. Older men cannot do that though unless they are what Paul says next. Look back in your text. Sound in the faith. Sound in the faith. Now there are really three things that Paul says that older men are supposed to be sound in. Sound in faith, sound in charity, that's love, okay? That's that's the word love. And sound in patience. To be sound in those three things. And you can't be sound in love and you can't be sound in patience unless you're sound in the faith of the gospel message. That's where it all comes from. How can you lose a loved one and say, I trust God anyway? Because if you're sound in the gospel, then you know that if that person's faith was in Jesus Christ, one day they'll be raised from the dead and God's going to make all things new. If that person's faith is not in Jesus Christ, then once again, you're sound in the faith knowing that God loved that person, God loved that unbeliever, God graciously reached out His hand to draw that person to Him. God sent His Son to die for that person's sins. And it's not God's fault for the choice that person made to reject Him. But you know, the judge of all the earth once again will do right. Knowing that God loved His Son, or loved us rather, by sending His Son to die for our sins, it causes us to love Him. Like John said, we love Him because He first loved us. Then it causes us to be uh, uh, love others with the love that God first had for us. We look upon others the way God looks on us in Christ. Sound in the faith makes you sound in charity. And that makes you sound in patience. Knowing that Jesus is going to make all things new one day. And give us eternal victory over sin and death. That gives us patience. You know what patience is? Patience isn't saying, well, I'm I'm just not going to be a ball of nerves. I'll be patient. I'll be, be willing to wait. That's not what patience necessarily is. Patience is enduring hardship because you have the hope of victory in the end. That's what patience is scripturally. That you endure hardship today You go through the hard times now. And you're able to endure and to not give up or throw in the towel and say, I quit. People, a lot of times, they say, well, I'm I'm not serving God. I'm not going back to church. God let my wife die. Yeah. That's not patience. Patience is, okay, my wife passed away. I'll see her again. God will make all things new. I know I'll win in the end through Jesus Christ. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. If we know that we win in the ninth inning, then we can joyfully suffer the ups and downs of the first inning, the second inning, the third, the eighth, right? It doesn't matter what the score is in the first inning. doesn't matter what the score is in the second inning or in the eighth inning. It only matters what the score is in the end. And it may look like the world is winning right now. It may look like the devil is too far ahead of us and we'll never catch up. We'll never win. We'll never get the victory that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and all the things that they say. I like what Adrian Rogers said once. Someone says, Oh, what is this world coming to? And Brother Rogers said, I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. It's coming to Jesus. Jesus in the end is going to come back and win the game. He is going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're going to have victory in His name. And He shall reign forever and ever. And we'll rule and reign with Him. So men. Live like the winners you are. Follow the rules of the game. That God gives us in His Word. Keep your Christian uniforms nice and clean. Be patient. And loving. And be that rock. That stands true on God's Word. By keeping your eye. On the ninth inning of the game. Because that's when our enemy. Will face the owner of our team. And he's coming back. In victory. Over sin. Satan. And death. Hallelujah. Amen. And may the aged men. Read these scriptures today. And say God so let it be with me. Father we thank you for your precious word. I pray dear Lord God that. As people of God, whether we're men or women or young people, all of which are addressed here in the book of Titus. I pray, dear Lord God, that we will assume the roles that you have put us in. That we'll be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity, and patience. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you for the wonderful promises you've given us. Thank you, Father God. In his name we pray.